Hi, this is Lorraine Newman, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will play part two of our conversation with Veronica Red in our second hour. Veronica Red, the actress known to fans of The Young and the Restless as the second of two actresses who played Mamie Johnson. We'll talk about the events that led Veronica to join the cast of YNR, as well as the vital role that casting directors played in Veronica's career when she first came to Hollywood in 1976 after a very successful career as a stage actress in New York. We'll play part two of our conversation with Veronica Red in our second hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that. Our second hour will also include a return visit from our friend Kat Kramer. Kat will talk about her recent return to performing stand-up comedy, plus she'll pay tribute to her dear friend Ed Asner, while our first hour will include a look at the life and career of Reginald Rose. Reginald Rose, one of the first great voices of television and the screenwriter and producer of the 1957 screen classic, 12 Angry Men. That is coming up later on in this hour. We hope you stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, calendar year 2021 marks the 70th anniversary of the premiere of I Love Lucy. And with that in mind, we wanted our friend, Jeffrey Mark to join us, talk a little bit about the first lady of comedy and the impact that she, Desi Arnaz, and Desi Lou Productions continue to have on the world of television. Jeff's books include Ella, a biography of the legendary Ella Fitzgerald. He is also the author of the new Lucy book, a comprehensive look at the television career, radio career, and stage career of Lucille Ball that is scheduled for release in August of 2022, which is close to another Lucy anniversary that you're going to mention. Yes, sir. This year, 2021, is indeed the 70th anniversary of I Love Lucy, and the next fall will be the 60th anniversary of The Lucy Show. So wedged in between those two timely anniversaries, my book, the new Lucy book, is coming out. We have a new foreword by Fran Drescher, as well as the original by Steve Allen. We have new interviews with Carol Burnett and Anne Margaret and Barbara Eden and Rich Little and a whole bunch of other people. And this time, we're not only talking about her television career. We're going to include all of her films, all of her radio shows, and her stage shows. It'll be a large book. I mean, literally, physically large, kind of expensive, but your one-stop shopping center for Miss Ball's career. And an iconic person, such as Lucille Ball, deserves a big book about her to cover, to cover everything. I-, I joke that we're going to have to publish this thing with an intermission because it's so large. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking about we're talking about a film career that is 74 or 75 films. We're talking about a radio career that spans from the mid 1930s uh, into the 1960s because Ms. Ball had her own radio show in the 1960s and a television career that starts in the late 40s and goes to her death. So that's a lot, a lot of work to cover. I hope. Everybody enjoys this one as much as they enjoyed the first one because I, that would make me, and I think it would make the Arnezes very happy. Uh, I once asked Desi Arnez Jr., what do you think the fans should know about your parents or what would your parents like the fans to know? And immediately his answer was, the fans need to know that my parents loved you as much as you loved them. 
they were enormously grateful at how they were received, not just the show, but that they were an interracial couple and that we, the public, didn't care, that we loved the characters so much. And they worked so tremendously hard to make those films happen. They were grateful that that hard work was received well because it could have gone another way. If I remember correctly, and this is this kind of relates to it could have gone another way. If I remember correctly, in your first encounter with Lucille Ball, you asked her a question that elicited a response that few, if any, other people got from her. And that connected you with her indelibly right away. I keep telling people I am the Forrest Gump of the 21st century. One of those people who happens to be at the right place at the right time. We've discussed before I was there when John Lennon was shot. Just these things kind of happened to me. Miss Ball was giving a symposium at the Museum of Broadcasting, which is now the Bill Paley Center in New York. I was a charter member. I had tickets. I was there. She was doing Q&A, questions and answers. And I mean, no disrespect to her fans or mine, but they were the most inane things I'd ever heard in my entire life. And she was getting kind of sick of it, quite frankly. It came my turn. She pointed me out. Oh, yeah, the young man with the red beard. And her husband, Gary Morton, was there. He said, Lucy, Lucy, there's no beard there. She says, yes, Gary, that guy there with the beard. And I had Mike in my hand. And I said, well, there's not much left on top, but I do have a beard. And she, ha, 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 that laugh of hers, that I made her laugh. It was like, okay, I'm done. I've accomplished what I need to in this lifetime. But I said to her, your friend Jack Benny once said, the reason that people tune into sitcoms week after week is that usually the lead character has some sort of trademark or shtick that they do not every week and not only one. And they tune in to see which one they're going to see this week. And she kind of stared at me for a moment. I thought I'd said something wrong. And she said, young man, that is the most intelligent question anyone's ever asked me about my comedy. And for the next half hour to 40 minutes, she answered one question after another for me. I was with a buddy of mine who'd been in the Navy. He'd been a stenographer in the Navy. And he had the forethought to take down every word she said in shorthand for me. And that was the beginning of the book. Wow. And the beginning of my association, the very happy association with her wonderful family and the people who work for her. How long did you know? I mean, I know that you are still close with uh, Lucy Arnaz, uh, Luck and Bill and the family. But how long about how long were you was, was your friendship with uh, Lucy Ball directly? I don't want to be like a whole lot of other people who claim they were close friends of hers. I was not a close friend. I was I was a journalist that she liked and would allow me to talk with. I, I We never socialized. I was never at dinner with her. Michael Stern, her number one fan, had that kind of relationship with her. I did not. I have had a long, decades-long relationship with the people who worked for her, who worked with her, her children, her grandchildren, I'm nobody's best friend. I am not at the Christmas dinner table. But these people, with a very few exception, have been kind, considerate, generous, supportive, and grateful for my work. And that makes me very happy. 
Jeffrey Mark is the author of the new Lucy book, the new Lucy book, your one-stop shopping center about the television career, movie career, radio career, and stage career of the one and only queen of comedy, Lucille Ball. The new Lucy book is scheduled for release in August 2022. It will have a new introduction by Fran Drescher, as well as the original introduction by Steve Allen, plus hundreds of brand new interviews, everything you want to know about Lucille Ball, the new Lucy book coming soon. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Jeff's other books include a biography of Ethel Merman, as well as Ella, comprehensive biography of the legendary Ella Fitzgerald. Jeff's new radio show, Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, available wherever podcasts are found. We could easily talk about I Love Lucy and not scratch the surface, but calendar year 2021 is not only the 70th anniversary of the premiere of I Love Lucy, it's the 55th anniversary of the premiere of both Star Trek and Mission Impossible. Neither of those shows would have had the impact they have. Neither of those shows would still entertain people 55 years later were it not for Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, by the mid-60s, had become the president of Desilu Studios. Now, for those of you who don't know, Desilu at that time was the largest motion picture studio in the world. It had more sound stages available to do work than anyone. And they were working, but they weren't working for Desi Lu. They were being rented out by other production companies, especially those, the Danny Thomas show, the Dick Van Dyke show, Gomer Pyle, Andy Griffith, being produced by Danny Thomas and his partners. And they wanted the studio itself to own more properties than the Lucy show. And they figured the better way to do it would be to start doing hour-long dramatic shows. So they came up with three that really stuck. They were wonderful. Two out of the three became billion-dollar cottage industries of their own. Star Trek, Mission Impossible, and Mannix with my friend Mike Connors. That's right. I forgot about they Mannix. Were all big hits. That really brought up the stock, both literally on the stock market of Desi Lu, as well as how people thought of the studio. And I tell you the truth, Lucille Ball never wanted to really own a studio. She was happy when Desi was running it to be able to play on her own little playground or her great big playground. I don't think as a person, once Desi was out of the picture, that she loved being the head of a studio. So she wanted to get rid of it. And those three successes made it possible for Gulf and Western Industries to buy Desi Lu merge it with Paramount because they, they were on the same block in Hollywood on Melrose. Uh, and it became this gigantic thing. Of course, Miss Ball made a small fortune on the sale, but it is a drop in the ocean compared to what it's worth today because of Star Trek and Mission Impossible. The Arnez family would all be b- 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 billionaires at this point. <laughs> But I don't think any of them are having trouble paying their bills. No, no. If you look at the overall arc of Desi's career, I mean, his impact, uh, his innovations, uh, his changing television for the better. I, I know it's hard for our friends to understand this. Before I Love Lucy, so I Love Lucy debuts in October of 1951. Before October of 1951, almost all of television was done live in New York or live from Chicago, 
or live from Los Angeles. And in each case, they had to take film off of a monitor to film it because you, there wasn't even television service across the country. Mm-hmm. It would only go one time zone at a time. These were called kinescopes. They were grainy. Television itself was grainy and ghosty and hard to look at. And our screens were tiny anyway. So to get something even worse than live television was not a happy thing for sponsors. I Love Lucy had sold to the Philip Morris Company. And they called and said, when are you moving east to do the show live from New York? And Desi said, we're not going anywhere. We're doing this show so we can work together and live in our home and play with our baby in our own ranch. They said, you have to have Lucille Ball in front of a live audience. And Desi Arnaz, too. They both came alive in front of an audience. And Desi said, well, we'll do it live from here. They said, no. More smokers live east of the Mississippi than west. We want the best possible picture for the East Coast. So Desi said, well, why don't we film it in front of a live audience? It was his idea. Now, to make his idea happen required a hundred of the greatest people in show business pulling their resources, putting it together. Nobody, not Desi, not Albert Einstein, no one could have done all of that on their own. Uh, Desi Arnaz receives huge credit. Jess Oppenheimer, who created the show and produced it, deserves huge credit. Carl Freund, who figured out how to get it on camera and light it, deserves huge credit. And then everybody else on it was just wonderful. It was lightning in a bottle that happens once in a lifetime if you're lucky. And we're lucky to have Jeffrey Mark spend a few minutes of his day talking about the legacy of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. Uh, Jeff's books include the new Lucy book, a comprehensive look at the television career, radio career, and stage career of Lucille Ball that is scheduled for release in August 2022. You can follow Jeffrey Mark on Facebook. Jeff's new radio show, Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella, available wherever podcasts are found. Did Lucy and Ella ever cross paths? Yes, they actually did a show together. Other than being at award shows at the same time, Dinah Shore had a show in the 1970s called Dinah! Exclamation Point. And Dinah! Exclamation Point, she would sometimes have, like Merv Griffin did, theme shows. Mm-hmm. And in 1977, she decided to do First Ladies. So she had the first lady of television, Lucille Ball, the first lady of opera, Beverly Sills, the first lady of song, Ella Fitzgerald, and the first lady of film, Elizabeth Taylor. Can you imagine four women like that being on any talk show today together all at once? For, for the entire 90 minutes, too, you know. For the entire 90 minutes. Yeah. And Miss Ball was an admirer of Ella's. Uh, Lucy Arnaz is a big fan of Ella's. And in fact, uh, Miss Ball said on the air, my daughter says every time you make a mistake, it's a hit record, (laughs) referring to that in 1960, Ella had forgotten the words to Mac the Knife in a live concert, and she won a Grammy for it. It became her biggest hit by forgetting the words. Uh, It was wonderful to see them all together. Not enough can ever be written about what these women had to go through to succeed in Hollywood, to live through the misogyny that is still in in Hollywood, to to fight off all the men who thought they knew better, 
who tried to use them, who tried to take their money and be, be, become complete persons with their talents. And I, I do believe Lucille Ball was the best at what she did. Ella was the best. Beverly was the best. I don't know that Miss Taylor was the best film actress there ever was. But at that moment in time, she was awfully close to it. Is there anything you learned about Lucy either when you originally wrote the Lucy book or in the years when you've been updating and doing additional material and additional interviews for the book? Is there anything you learned about Lucy that surprised you? I think initially what surprised me in talking to the people who worked with her was that she was nothing like the Lucy character. Miss Ball did not go around having shenanigans uh, going around lying and fibbing, manipulating people to get what she wanted. She was too busy working. The work ethic shocked me. When, when you figure out what it takes to put on one half hour of any of Miss Ball's shows, after the first season of I Love Lucy, they were done Monday to Thursday. So Monday morning, they got a script they've never seen before. And by Thursday night, she's stomping on grapes in front of a live audience. And all of that has to be created in only four days of rehearsals ready to go on the air. The amount of work, you know, you're doing 39, 35, 32 episodes a year. And she's making films. And she's on the radio. And she's popping out babies. The work is tremendous. You know, I've been in show business myself now about 48 years. I know what it's like to be in a stage musical, to be in a show, to write a show, to produce a show. The work is very hard. That's why it pays so well. And that for Miss Ball to work that hard for so many years, I began to understand why as she aged, she wasn't quite as funny because physically you just can't. You can't do at 60 what you did at 30. Mm -hmm. You can't memorize lines anymore. You're reading off of cue cards. Uh, unfortunately, Miss Ball's health was not always wonderful. She didn't go on the air and complain about it. She didn't use it as an excuse. But there were health issues that hampered her work. She worked anyway. Miss Ball worked as a singing, prancing, comedy foil until she had a stroke doing it. And, and still came back after that, but, but her health wouldn't hold up. I, I think finding out more or less who she was as a person and saying she wasn't like Lucy Ricardo doesn't mean she wasn't an awfully nice lady. Uh, hard to work with because she demanded, demanded that everybody around her work as hard as she did. This wasn't fun and games. This was hard work. But if you knew her personally... She was a good friend to people. She was very generous with people she thought had talent. She mentored a lot of wonderful young talent. So I, I think people always ask me, what was she like? Or what was it about her, her love life or their marriage? And I give the same answer because I'm asked this all the time. Go into your neighborhood, knock on a door, and immediately administer a truth serum sit these people down and ask them about their sex lives, their romance lives, and their hurts in life, and you will hear the same answers you would have got from Lucille Ball, except the names wouldn't be famous. 
her personal life is like ours. It's her working life that makes her a legend and an icon. Jeffrey Mark's books include the new Lucy book, the new Lucy book, your one-stop shopping center about the television career, movie career, radio career, and stage career of the one and only queen of comedy, Lucille Ball. The new Lucy book is scheduled for release in August 2022. It will feature new introduction by Fran Drescher, uh, as well as interviews with many other people that Jeff has talked to who have shared memories of uh, Lucille Ball for the new edition. Uh, you can follow Jeffrey Mark on Facebook. Before we recorded, you mentioned there's a, there's a, there's either a, um, a documentary or a dramatic film about Lucy in the works. What do you know about it? What can you tell our listeners about it? There is both. There is a brilliant film that is being written and produced by Aaron Sorkin with the Arneses uh, about a period of time while they were making I Love Lucy. Oh, I had just two words. Aaron Sorkin. That's all <laughs> I need to know that this will be brilliantly done, brilliantly acted, brilliantly written and really give us a taste, perhaps, of what these two people might have been like in their personal life. It is being filmed as we are speaking. I believe it'll be out next year. There is also, as we are speaking, a documentary being made, I believe by Amy Poehler, about I Love Lucy and Lucille Ball's television career. I had hoped to redo the one I had done, Inside Television's Greatest, I Love Lucy, but Amy beat me out, and she's a much bigger star than I am. So besides my book, there will be these two films you'll be able to watch next year about Lucille Ball. I'm sure there'll be television specials. I'm sure there'll be more colorized I Love Lucy episodes. Uh, I think the next 12 months, Lucy fans are going to be in for big treats. And hopefully you're going to see me and hear me along the way be a part of it. 2022 will be a big, big year for Lucille Ball and fans of Lucille Ball and her legacy. And part of that legacy is Jeffrey Mark. Jeffrey Mark, the author of the new Lucy book, the new Lucy book coming in August 2022. Do you have a favorite episode of I Love Lucy or a favorite Lucy show of the four that she did? My favorite I Love Lucy show is Lucy's showbiz swan song. It's the episode in the second season when she's pregnant, where pregnant or not, she wants to break into Lucy's, to Ricky's act. And she and Vivian Vance, with Lucille Ball in a hoop skirt, do by the light of the silvery moon. <laughs> See, that's all I have to say, and he's already laughing. See, folks, that's how burned into our brains yeah. it is. And they follow that up with Desi Arnaz leading them in a barbershop quartet that the entire show, there's not a wasted word, a wasted inflection, a wasted movement. Every second of the show is top-notch funny. And that, that is my absolute favorite. Jeffrey Mark, it is always a joy to spend time with you. I look forward to our next conversation. Always, my friend. God bless and have a happy. Phil Rosenzweig, author of Reginald Rose and the Journey of 12 Angry Men, will join us when we come back on TV Confidential.
Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.